This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast and show. If you're watching today's guest, has geez, I tell you what, I've uh, got a pretty uh, incredible background, uh, a project he has been involved in. You will obviously know of. It's called Tenex. He's been a professional kite surfer. He's been an emergency doctor. I mean, look, there's a lot there. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about Julian Hoss. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day there in, well, I won't say it's an Eastern European, sorry, Eastern Asian country. Uh, so Southeast Asian. So thank you for your time today, mate. Appreciate it. Craig, pleasure to be on. Excited. Uh, let's see where this takes us. Let's, let's check it out. But the funny thing is, I, I, um, I don't say where people are from anymore because some people go, oh, no, I don't want anyone to know where I am. I said, okay, fair enough, whatever that is. But look, I want to dig in first of all to, um, to effectively what brought you here. Now, just tell us a little bit about your background because like I said, you, you have done, I mean, you've played basketball professionally. You went to high school in Nashville. Uh, you've been a medical doctor, professional. I mean, you've done so much stuff. So just with, um, you know, a bit of a, uh, what would you say, bullet point version. Let us know sure. what you've been and what you've done. Basically, three large parts in my life so far. I think the largest part or the early part was me being a professional kite surfer. Um, that was very early on. I was at the right place, right time. I always believe timing. Timing is everything in life. Um, I think most people underestimate how important timing is. Mm. So again, I was at the right place, right time. Um, I had the chance to travel the world, had a fantastic life. Um, my mom always said, Julian, uh, you're my son. You need to do something for real in life. Uh, I don't want you to be a, a surfer when you're still 40. So I studied medicine. Uh, I, for me as an athlete, I saw so many injuries and uh, I always wanted to help people. So yeah, becoming a medical doctor made a lot of sense. And I studied in Austria and in Innsbruck where I'm from, a little town right in the mountains. And uh, yeah, became a medical doctor. I became a trauma surgeon. Um, after a bit over a year, I just, I was so fed up. I was missing my freedoms that I had as a kite surfer. Um, a bit of the rebellious in me. And uh, yeah, I just thought, hey, I need to become an entrepreneur. Whatever that meant, right? I mean, no one can tell you what this is. So um, yeah, in 2012, I moved to Hong Kong. I tried every type of business under the world in order to become this entrepreneur. Um, I failed at literally everything, be it online marketing, be it direct selling, being tried as I tried startups, I tried affiliate marketing, I tried to buy uh, some franchises, I tried network marketing. I think there's no business model that I hadn't tried. And I failed at literally every single one. But what was so important was I learned so much during this time. I learned what to do, what not to do. And I think that was a key, key part. So uh, yeah, I didn't earn, I had to learn. So that was a key part back then. And then it yeah. wasn't until 2014 when I met someone in uh, Bangkok and uh, I learned how blockchain and Bitcoin worked. And that's now five years ago. And that kind of opened door for me into this exciting, crazy world of decentralization. And that's been my life over the past five years. So did you invest straight away or did you do a lot of learning prior to getting involved in the market? 
So I learned about Bitcoin in 2011 and I was still working in the hospital. Um, it was this crazy patient that had a calcaneus fracture. That's a heel bone fracture. And we were treating him and he was pitching me to, to he, was, he wanted to gift me those free Bitcoins. And I think he had thousands of them because back then Bitcoin was like worth like 80 cents. And he, had, he really had a lot of them. And I was so annoyed by him telling me that I need to download this thing. And then I have to remember all these letters and uh and this was just and i was like this is such a scam like so stupid <laughs> and uh, and in in 2014 um the good thing was i learned i, I didn't learn about bitcoin i learned about the technology of blockchain mm. and for me what was exciting obviously as a scientist myself what was really interesting was to understand cryptography was to understand the game theoretical things behind it the economical things behind it that was really really fascinating to me and i wrote actually to a professor in germany in bochum and i said hey um i I'm, I, I told him, hey, I'm a medical doctor in Austria. I need, to, I need some uh, stuff on your cryptography series. And so he sent that to me and I learned everything. And so I think all the way from 2014 till 2015, um, I had invested a little bit, but it was more learning. Yeah. And I was really deep in the entire material, um, learning as much as I could. Um, yeah, it was also then that I started a bit of some, some um, uh, yeah, I started a podcast. I did some YouTube videos more to understand it for myself. And you will see in the very first videos and the very first podcast that I ever did, I was very conservative towards Bitcoin and very positive towards blockchain. And today I don't distinguish that as much anymore. Yeah, well, it's a big look. I ask a lot of guests because it's, it's interesting to hear their rabbit hole because we've all we've all had it. We've all been there. Uh, for me, uh, you know, I dived into it and I was more interested. But I heard about it in 2013. You know, the listeners will know this that. You know, I sort of kicked it to the curb. I was a foreign exchange trader. I've been trading for 13 years. And for me, there wasn't enough volume. There wasn't anything for me to apply my trade, uh, literally my trade, you know. And, um, you know, nowadays, it's great. It's absolutely the most volatile market <laughs> in the world. And, uh, you know, the reason I keep on being distracted and looking across to my right is because I have orders on at the moment. And uh, I just want to make sure that they get filled correctly. But um, that aside, it's, um, it's, it's really interesting hearing your point of view. And you're in Singapore now. Now, I want to touch on uh, 2018. Okay, so obviously 14, 15, you did a lot of learning, or sorry, between 12 through that period, you did a lot of learning, got into the market in a, in a certain way, understood the blockchain technology, that sort of thing. Um, before we go into and speak about some things about 10X and, and what happened there and what's going on there, um, what do you think is one of the major lessons from 2018? I'm talking about the bear market. Of course, we did see 2018 basically be a massive retracement. Um, I've got my views, but I would love to hear what, what you think are some of the most important things that the listeners and viewers can take from that, uh, that bearishness that we saw for a full year. I guess a couple. Uh, the most important to me, again, timing. Timing is everything. Um, I think making money in 2018 is really, really difficult. I think there were people who made money during this time, but very few. I think making money in 2017 was super easy and everyone who was in the market uh, made money. So I think timing is everything. And I think the best people in the world, they kind of see the wave coming. They position themselves. I mean, I come from professional surfing, right? So it's all about timing towards yeah. waves. Uh, the best surfers, they position themselves always a bit at the head of the wave. They see the wave coming and the people who don't know how to surf, they're always late. And that's exactly the same thing what's happening. So what you need to do, especially in investing, uh, I think especially in investing, is you probably have to be a bit of an anti-cycler. So you have to be a bit going against the mainstream. For me, what, like, and I was, I was slaughtered. I went, it's the 26th of December, 2017. I was on CNBC Live and it was like a seven to eight minute interview. And we were discussing the heights and everything. And then the girl asked me, um, so Julian, where do you think we will head next? And I said, 
I think what we're going to see next is we're going to see Bitcoin drop to 5,000 and then for it to afterwards to go back to 50,000. And everyone slaughtered me because we were Bitcoin at 20,000 and no one thought that we could go down to 5,000. And, uh, and, I was, and the reason I was so convinced that we were going to go down was because we had someone in our community and we have a large Facebook group in Germany with over 40,000 people in there. And I had people in there complaining that they only made 400% returns in 2017. And so to me, this was like, if someone starts being so greedy and so crazy yeah. that they complain about 400%, this is like, now it's over. Like I need to get out of this market. And so I told people to sell and uh, I got slaughtered for that. But uh, everyone who listened, I think was completely right. And I think it was in Q3 last year. This was to me where there was maximum pessimism. I really thought, I felt that there was a lot of pessimism. Mm. And it was when I told people, I think, hey, I think we kind of have the bottom. Um, I, I didn't pick it perfectly. I think I picked it at 5,800. Um, and obviously we had a bit of a, a lower, but I also didn't pick the top right. I picked the top at like 19,800 and I think it went to 20,000 something. So I'm not perfect, but to me, it's more the timing itself. And uh, yeah, and at the moment I'm quite uh, bullish and I'm quite optimistic. Well, look, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, to use the surfing analogy again, you know, the swell doesn't last forever. And the longer the swell lasts, the closer it gets to the end. Um, being a trader, it was like for me, it was uh, it was massively overextended. I, I copped a lot of flack saying we pulled back to three thousand. We were sort of approaching that five thousand dollar mark. I think it was back in September of two thousand seventeen. We hit three thousand on the nose. Um, as it was sort of ramping and getting ridiculously over overextended, we had those two days that were like three thousand dollars a day. That's not uh, that, that's not a normal market, uh, and it has to pull back because markets always do pull back. It's just if you understand it and you've been around for long enough. I mean, for me, being a trader of thirteen years it's been you know, cooked into me for, for a very long time that market cycle and the more it moves away from the averages, the more likely it is to pull back. So it became clear. Uh, I don't pick tops or bottoms. I trade the chunk in the middle. Uh, that's where I make my money. Yep. I'm not a, you know, I'm not someone who wants to short from the top or I don't need the, the I don't need to be the bottom, the first in the bottom or the last out of the top. I just need the chunk in the middle and I focus on trading trends. So, so right now you are a lot more bullish. What are the reasons behind your bullish sentiment at the moment? So I think that it's going up really hard. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't, I, I, to me, that doesn't change anything. That's just because we're interviewing right now. You could have asked me a month ago. I would have well, said only exactly. two weeks ago, right? Yeah. A week ago. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said, uh, you could have interviewed me a month ago and I would have said the same thing. I think fundamentals are stronger than ever. Whoever I talk to, um, well, all the projects, obviously most of all Bitcoin, but all the projects, they are delivering value. They are working on something. You're weeding out a lot of the gamblers or you have weeded them out at least a little bit. So yeah, I think there's, there's, the fundamentals are just really, really strong. Um, I think a lot of governments, I think a lot of large institutions, they're very interested in what's happening and, and, and in the space. And so, yeah, and I think that the fundamentals are just really strong. And then when you talk to the average person, they're all like, ah, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, ah, come on, that's all crap. And that's exactly the right kind of circumstances because it's the same thing in surfing. Um, you, the, the good surfers, they position themselves completely differently than the average surfers. And that's exactly what you need to do. And just like you mentioned, patience is everything. Patience is so important. And uh, yeah. Yep. Patience makes your money, doesn't lose your money. So, okay, let, let's jump into 10X because um, obviously you had a, you're a vocal person at 10X. You, you did very well on the raise. Uh, 10X is still around and it's still going. Why'd you leave? Or what, what happened? Like, what's the, I mean, there's, obviously there's maybe some things you can't say, some things you can say, but I mean, you were sort of at the front of the, uh, the herd pushing 10X along. What, 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 uh, what changed? 
Um, look, I think this was a surprise to everyone. It was a surprise to myself. Um, I came back on Monday, January 7th from a two-week uh, offline. I was, I was not 100% offline, but I was pretty offline. Um, wanted to, we had a rough year last year. Um, we got the cards out last year. We delivered on, at the end, we delivered on all the promises. And so, yeah, I came back and uh, my co-founders wanted to meet and uh, it was surprising. They said, look, Julian, I don't think we have the same vision how to go forward. Um, it's better for you to step down. And uh, I was outnumbered. So what can I do? <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess that's how a, uh, a company's democracy works, I suppose. If you get outvoted by your directors, then that's the way it goes. Did you, um, as part of that, were you, were you forced to sell your tokens or your equity or however you set that up? Or have you been a continued, um, I guess, believer in what we're doing? Obviously, there's a pivot on, on, on the direction, of course, as, as the reason as to why they didn't follow your direction. Have you kept it? Have you kept a small stack? I mean, are you able to talk about that? I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. No, I can. Of course. No, I, this is fine. Um, so I sold, that's public information. I sold some tokens at the end of last year for tax reasons. I had to, uh, the largest chunk of our salary was in tokens. So, um, income is taxable in Singapore. So I had to pay, uh, tokens. Uh, this was a bit unfortunate from the timing because obviously afterwards people thought that I sold those tokens knowing that I was going to step down two weeks afterwards, which is absolutely not true. At this point, I didn't know that I was going to have to step down. Um, and also because the token was worth so little, I had to sell relatively a lot of token because obviously when I got them, they were valued at a different price. So let's say you yeah. get uh, a token is worth a dollar and then suddenly it's worth only 25 cents. You still have to pay the taxes based on a dollar. And so you have to sell sometimes a token, even though you only got a token just because of the tax rate. And so that was a bit unfortunate. And um, yeah, but I, I had a lot of tokens. And, and then the, so that was for tax reasons. Um, and then I sold all my other, all my remaining paid tokens in, I think it was March. I would have to look it up when. Um, the reason is just, look, um, I, the way I felt treated, I felt, um, yeah, I, I, I think you have to do invest in two different options. Either you invest into the team or you invest in a really decentralized project. And obviously the project is not decentralized. There's only very few projects, maybe Bitcoin, Ethereum that are decentralized. And I didn't look um, the way I got treated or the way I felt I was treated. Uh, yeah, that just led me to some conclusions. And uh, yeah, that's that conclusion. And then um, I still have my shares. Um, I would sell my shares if someone would buy them. I think uh, it makes no sense for me to hold those. Um, yeah, I haven't spoken to my co-founder since then. So yeah, I think that's as oh, more. It's sad, mate. I'm, I'm, I hate hearing stories like that. Uh, unless you're a complete dirt bag, then that's a bit sad. <laughs> Look, egos, I think egos are always difficult. Um, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. And thank you for letting us know that. I mean, I, I do want to ask you about that and see how it turned out. Thank you for advising that information for us. Now, moving on to where we are right now in 2019, we, we talked about, um, you know, how bullish you are at the moment, with, not just because price is moving. Obviously, you know, you are bullish before that. Um, what, um, what do you think 2009 is going to be for crypto, Bitcoin and, and blockchain as a whole? What do you think of the exciting products or, or uptake that we think we're going to see is there, is there anything that you're specifically sort of looking at and going wow it's the year of x you know so i thought that we're gonna re-see 2016 i was assuming that but i'm a bit wrong on it in a sense so 2016 was very baby um it was very up and down um it was not as we we, we didn't see in 2016 what we're seeing right now where we had this really strong push 
Um, that's insanely aggressive. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening at the moment. I think I'm a bit more worried what's happening with this push because this push is very unnatural. So I'm not sure. Is this a large institution coming in? Is there something happening with, I don't know, Bitfinex and Tether? I don't know. But this is really strange. So my estimation, I made, a, I think, a blog post 2000, uh, on the 24th or 25th of January um, called um, Crystal Ball 3000. What's 2019 going to look like? Yep. And so I kind of looked into different scenarios. And my most likely scenario was we're going to see a 2016, which meant it was very up and down. I would have said it's going to be between 3,000 and 8,000. We're going to be up and down from there. Now, obviously, we just pushed through the 8,000, and it looks like there's no stopping anytime soon. So uh, I don't know, difficult, uncharted ter territory for me. I haven't seen this before. Um, I mean, if you ask me what's the more likely scenario, I think we're going to have a bit of a setback. Too many people make too much money right now. I mean. Uh, just I, since I, I switched all my tokens into Bitcoin, I mean, I doubled my money in the last two months, right? So that's like ridiculous if you think about it. Mm. Um, that's way too fast, even for Bitcoin. So there will be a setback in my opinion. And I think we're going to have a bit of a, a bandwidth in there. I, I don't think we're going to see an all-time high this year. Hopefully I'm wrong, but uh, I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. What I'm seeing a lot of at the moment um, is, is different volume coming from different places. Now, for me, my viewpoint was uh, 2019 derivatives is what I wanted to see come in. Uh, leverage products that allow us to hedge our bets, you know, not just on BitMEX. You know, I'm a trader, so I'll trade leverage. I'm more than comfortable doing that. Institutions to enter the space and be proper, you know, portfolio managers uh, as a small percentage of the overall portfolio in traditional terms, they need derivatives to manage their books, to, to hedge themselves. It's, it's a really necessary product to have. Now, we're seeing that starting to come in now, of course, backed up. I did say, uh, I think it was back in the last year or started this year, I was saying, look, it was delayed. I, was, I wouldn't be surprised if it was delayed. Before it happened, I said, I'm not surprised it was delayed because they need a client. And, and to be going out and trying to get institutional grade clients, well, the market was so uncertain and, and, and so suppressed, it's not a good time to be selling a, a product um, and having all of your developers and the whole team associated. So I thought they might strip back, have a core team um, and just be ready. Now, as they've come out this week or last week and just sort of said, look, we're, we're back, baby, we're doing this. Um, I think that's a really positive thing. So there's derivative products coming there. Uh, the CME, of course, $1.2 billion worth of, uh, worth of contracts there, which outpaces Binance by a nearly a factor of two uh, on the spot market of course bitmex is now seeing the highest volumes uh, ever uh, in two days uh, two out of three days i think it was and hopefully today's another one um, so i'm seeing a lot more activity in the creation of trusted derivative traded products because bitmex is there look i don't distrust bitfinex uh, bitmex but i'm not going to trade bitmex if i'm a you know fund manager who's walking into the scene with a small slice of say 200 million uh, to manage my risk and diversify my portfolio through leveraged options so i see that as being a really good step in the right direction and the trend is leaning towards that at the moment more derivative products means more institutional money the other thing i think is really important to note is the um, the 50 to 65 year olds that have money uh, they've watched a dot com the 96 and the 2000, they've watched it go up, they've watched it go down, they've watched it go up, they've watched it go down. They've been a part of these sort of cycles. They're more educated people. Back in 2017, they watched the hype. And at the time that these people would have been finding out, we're probably talking 10,000, 12,000, 15, 18, all the way up. They recognize what a bubble looks like. They didn't want to play in that bubble. Waited for it to come back. Now we've got some momentum again. Now they know what Bitcoin is. They've learned a little bit about blockchain. I think that might be our next demographic that comes into the space. And with the fact that so many people are hodlers, I think we might see some further upside pressure this year. Whether it be all-time highs, I don't know. And look, I will caveat that by saying 
I have been wrong before and I will be wrong again. But that's my general viewpoint as it stands now. Does it make sense? For sure. Uh, excellent. I'm glad that I got that from you. Now, actually, do you trade? I'm not much of a trader. I'm more, I'm really, I'm the very boring buy and hold person. I'm, I'm not a good trader. I get super nervous. Um, I lose more money than I win. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't have that patience when I trade. So for me, best is not to know what the price is. I checked the price actually really only because I knew we were going to talk and I wanted to have some idea where we are. <laughs> but sometimes it happens. I don't look at the price for like days. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, because that, that makes me less nervous. I don't like listening or talking or hearing in the news or, I don't know, that just gives me a bit of peace and it. And at the end, I believe long-term we're going to see Bitcoin, I don't know, half a million, a million. I think that's, that's possible. And so I just, yeah, I'm the, I'm, I'm, a, I probably would sell again. Uh, once I see this Uber exuberance of optimism of, oh, we can only get rich investing in this. As soon as I would see this and there would be no doubt anymore that's when I would get really doubtful. Okay, so here's a question for you. Where do you move your money to? When you sell, where do you go to? What do you mean? Which exchange? So what do I do with the Sorry, funds? not exchange. So do you go to dollar tether? Do you go to TrueUSD? Do you go into cash? Like how, how do you okay. manage your portfolio there in Bitcoin? So I sold around 2 million US dollars. And again, I'm telling you that because that's public information. I was very public about that. I sold around 2 million US dollars worth of crypto in end of 2017. And what I did with that was I kept... I think over half of that I kept in cash um, and I reinvested a lot of that actually Q3 last year. So when I think at 5,800, 5,900 in Bitcoin. Um, and the other part, I bought, a, uh, I bought an apartment. Um, I bought a few stocks that I really like. I bought some uh, precious metals. Um, and uh, yeah, I kept uh, some other, ch- a large chunk in, in fiat um, just to be liquid. Um, I'm not, I'm yeah, I think some people criticize me for that. I'm totally okay with that. I'm not someone who's, who says you should have 100% in crypto. I believe I still come out of the school of Warren Buffett a bit or also Ray Dalio who says, hey, you should diversify. And um, yeah. I'm a big believer if I don't know the asset 100% and I, I don't think that I know, I, I really don't think that I'm the smartest person investing in crypto. I'm not the smartest person in real estate, in, in stocks and precious metals, in cash and so on. So the only thing I can do is diversify and uh yeah, know that I'm probably going to be wrong in one of those assets, but probably not wrong at the same time in all of them. So I just assume that I don't know everything. Yeah, well, that's a good place to be. You know, the person who knows everything is the person you want to avoid and the person that loses money because they're too confident in their own abilities. There's two people who always lose money, the person who knows nothing and the person who thinks they know everything. Exactly, mate. But uh, it's good to have experience. And with blockchain and uh, and this space, you certainly do have a lot. Now, you're also a published author. You want to tell us about uh, two books now, right? Two books, yeah. Uh, Sure, would love to. Uh, my very first one was called Cryptocurrencies uh, Simply Explained. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, just go on Amazon and look for Julian Hosp, my name. The other one came out last year, and that was Blockchain 2.0, More Than Just Bitcoin. Um, and there it was, I mean, actually what brought me into this space was blockchain itself. And so I discussed the uh, 100 most innovative blockchain applications all the way from medicine to cryptocurrencies. And uh, yeah, both books were number one on Amazon uh, all around the world. I think it was... Now, it shows that what people want is they want some technical knowledge, and I have that, but uh, they want way more applications. They want stuff to be explained simple, and uh, yeah, it's been great. And so obviously, if people, I, I, would, I would love for people to, to take a read and uh, obviously give me, give me some feedback on it. So blockchain 2.0. Correct, and cryptocurrency explained simply. Yep, both on Amazon. Yep. And I think you can get it also in bookstores. I'm not sure. 
uh, though where and and how, but uh, yeah, Amazon is for sure. Well, as long as you know what to look for in Google and Amazon, then I'm sure that the listeners and viewers will find that it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Julian. Where else can people find information about you if they wish to do so? I guess best places are Twitter, Instagram. Um, these are the two platforms that I'm the most on. Well, it's been a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. Julian Hosp, uh, one of the world's biggest overachievers. Thank you very much for your time, mate. And go enjoy uh, Cloudbreak again as soon as you can. Craig, appreciate it. Thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. Bye for now. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit tradercob.com now.